Hello and welcome to LOPR Aftershock for WWE Clash of Champions. My name is Matt Mayer, aka The Implications, uh, columnist of the Imps Adventure series on LawsOfPain.net and your host right here on LOP Radio. You can follow me on Twitter, at the damn Implicat, if you want to hit me up. Uh, we are live immediately following Clash of Champions as it's literally just finished and I've been typing away madly, it feels really weird. The link is live, thank God. <laughs> Lots of pain. <laughs> the tweet's gone out. Oh, like, I've just... I've not bloody put the player in the, the actual thing, though. So that's great. So I'm just going to have to talk whilst clicking about. You have to put up with that. But the show has just ended with Seth Rollins getting attacked by the Fiend. <laughs> like, yes, saved it at the end, I think I'd say. With uh, actually making me want to tune in and care about what comes next. Where it was like, yeah, it was fine. But it was kind of feeling like if the fiend wasn't there, it wouldn't have had the same <laughs> effect. <laughs> oh, what a great ending that was! Actually, it was. There were the last two matches; both had bits at the end that, in a way, saved what had come before it and made it interesting and for me to get in and uh, <laughs> look forward to watching it. Thank God, right? The link's live and everything. Right, I can close stuff now. I do want to check it though. <laughs> this is amazing. Listening live. Also, I've not got any stingers for Aftershock yet. I need uh, actually to hit Steve up to, <laughs> just to send them over for when he's not here or anything. Oh, bloody hell. Right, everything's everything's there. Yes. Oh, right. Anyway, yeah. Uh, there is a chat button thing on uh, Lords of, on the player. I can't probably speak. <laughs> on the player, there is a chat like button, like a speech bubbly thing. If you click that, you can send me direct messages on that. You can send me a message on Twitter at the damn Impacat. You can comment on Lords of Pain. I won't see those ones immediately. But yeah, uh, for me, it's half past three in the morning and I noticed an opportunity to go immediately live. So in one minute, I've set everything up. It's a personal record. <laughs> this is sudden panic when it wouldn't accept my image that I'd gotten. <laughs> a speaker wouldn't take my image for the class of champions I'm just like bollocks <laughs> I'm already late oh. anyway yes do hit me up with your opinions on class of champions it's literally just ended uh, this very minute really pretty much yeah, it was still on the air three minutes ago <laughs> so I'm surprised I'm already live oh, I'm, I'm impressing myself Yeah, hopefully I'm not speaking too quickly I've also I normally would get a drink or a little break after the pay-per-view to get myself set for stuff, but the way it ended, I'm like, I'm not going to wait till like 4am or whatever to go, but no, half past three, let's go for it. Uh, but yes, I am still relatively tired, and like mostly because this show did actually hit me. So I wanna, before I dive into specifics, really, I know I've got jumped a bit ahead of the gun with the main events, because uh, the format I, I like doing after Shock is I'll talk about the... Uh, shows a whole and then the big main events and then I'll go through it the bit yeah match by match kind of format but uh, yes but with I'm stuttering all over the place <laughs> so with the show overall for most of it for me it felt every bit of the B pay-per-view it kind of did going in like I really enjoyed Raw and Smackdown this well I enjoyed Raw this week Smackdown kind of uh, me a little bit with the King of the Ring main event stuff that was just weird but in terms of the matches and the stories on this show, SmackDown was fine. Raw was really enjoyable. Uh, however, the one thing neither of the shows really did for me was hype up Clash of Champions. <laughs> I came out of the two Madison Square Garden shows going, you know what, I enjoyed WWE TV this week, but I couldn't give less of a crap about Clash of Champions. 
<laughs> like when I'm getting all ready and everything to start this show. And uh, hello, Kath. <laughs> uh, the first person to send me the chat message. Yeah, uh, yes. Uh, next time I'll get more professional. I'll save up the chats to <laughs> do it in a segment. Uh, anyway, yes. So uh, with the, you felt every bit the B pay per view. Um, I wasn't really super into it. I would have said you're looking at a two and a half to three stars for every single match kind of show. Um, I wouldn't say, aside from Becky Sasha, any other match really broke that. But that doesn't tell the entire story. But like for me, a match like, uh, I guess, the main event and uh, uh, the other one, Roman Rowan. That's going to be fun when I get to those notes. <laughs> uh, yeah, those two matches, I don't know if, I'd have, if I would give them like more than a three-star amazing affair. However, that's not the entire story, because I still relatively enjoyed, especially the main event. It uh, it didn't really tell the entire story when I say something like that. Like, for me, enjoyment level and what you'd give it star level-wise for technicality and awesome manoeuvres and stuff like that, they're two different ratings. Like, my favourite film and the film which I rate technically as the best one I've watched, like Blade Runner and Con Air, are two completely different categories. (laughs) So, so yeah. This was a B pay-per-view, and it felt like it. And it felt like it was more... It felt like an extra bit of television, in a way, and wasn't really pushing any boundaries like that. You weren't getting any amazing matches. Uh, there was one confusing card thing where the women's tag team titles felt like a pre-show match in the middle of the card, and then AJ Styles' Cedric Alexander was just an amazing five-minute match of, if you put us on the pre-show, we're going to have the best five-minute match you've ever seen. <laughs> kind of just the other thing. So that was kind of interesting. Didn't really watch the Cruiserweight match, but I'm assuming it was good. But yeah... It was, yeah, three. Is yeah, I kind of said that about SummerSlam. Where SummerSlam was like, I'm really enjoying this. I wouldn't give any of the matches more than three stars. This one was a bit lower than that. I'm talking two and a half to three, but they were yeah, they're fine. And that was most of the show. Like I really enjoyed like Bailey versus Charlotte Flair. I loved that ending, but I don't know if I give the match an amazing rating. <laughs> Just like this is it fits perfectly on a B pay per view. The only issue is now the B pay-per-views are also three and a half hours long. So this is, that is my kind of like big takeaway from this show. Was I have absolutely nothing wrong with a show where most of the matches are of this quality and it's relatively enjoyable. But there's no go-home like four or five star matches or anything. However, the big takeaway was I was ready for bed and just over after Kofi Kingston and Randy Orton. So like the seventh match on the card... I was ready to go to bed at that point. The match was kind of slow anyway, so that didn't really help for an Englishman like me, <laughs> who's up and it's late. And uh, well, I should have been to, I should have been bed hours ago. It was way past my bedtime. <laughs> I should be asleep now. But so after that match, I was ready for bed, and then I realised there's two matches to come still, and it's Roman Rowan and it's Seth Rollins, Braun Strowman. They're going to be given some time. Uh, I was hoping Rollins Strowman would be short. I'd say it relatively was short. It was very like immediately out of the blocks, and I love that. But as I show as a whole, for me, it was those two matches were just a bit too long, and this, this has got so many championships that this showed it that the they've got well ten championships in the company, and that's I'm forgetting one because of course there was nine matches on the main show, and one of them wasn't, and then of course the US and the cruiserweight. Yeah, that ma- that. Mads up, that up. <laughs> yes, Dan. Half past three in the morning, maths. I'm also sitting on a different chair. It makes a noise when I kind of 
wiggle and adjust. <laughs> so you're going to have to put up with that. I was meant to change it before I went live, and I didn't even think about it. It's ten times more comfortable. <laughs> it was just because I've I've been watching the pay per view at the computer. I don't normally do that, but today, yeah, I did. Anyway, that's a tangent. You don't care about that. <laughs> Stop talking about your chair. <laughs> They're not here to your view. They're not here to hear you review your chair. <laughs> this is about the wrestling. Uh, but yes, for me, felt like a pay per view. But was it's got that time issue where WWE their shows are just too long, and they all most weeks I feel the fatigue. As I would say always because Raw this week Madison Square Garden didn't feel the fatigue. It didn't happen. It's the first what episode of Raw that's happened with. I can't remember the last time. It must have been during the build to WrestleMania, where the last time I enjoyed Raw from start to finish without any feel of fatigue. This show, yeah, Kingston versus Orton. That's when it hit. And then there's still two matches afterwards, and I was zoning out of Rowan and Roman. Uh, I was thinking, thank God it's not the main event, as was kind of hinted at by WrestleVotes earlier in t- today. But yes, the surprise at the end kept it fresh and everything. But but yeah, so if I was asked, what I should I do? I need to wait. Would I? Uh, would I? <laughs> I'm slowly falling apart. Would I recommend any of the matches to? Like somebody to watch, and immediately all I could think of was the uh, Raw Women's Title match between Becky Lynch and Sasha Banks. Every other match, I don't know. Roman versus Rowan kind of felt like it would be an old style WWE brawl of a match, like Attitude Era, all over the place kind of thing. Uh, and it was kind of fun like that, but that's not that doesn't really hit home as well as it does this in this kind of era. Especially as you got to remember the story with that. Match is utter bollocks. <laughs> it's yeah, it's 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 reached a point of utter bollocks that I'm enjoying it for the utter bollocks that it is, and the twists and the turns feel so made up week to week. And even though I love this Luke Harper twist, for me again, it screams made up <laughs> with relatively short notice. Uh, but that's what I'm loving this storyline for. If it's all over WWE, it pushes me away, and it's crap. However, if it's one storyline, if they if they compact all of the nonsense and the bollocks and the every two weeks something changes, if we put that all into one storyline, then that one storyline will be amazing. Not in a good way, <laughs> but uh, yeah. But yes, the last two matches for me were fine and enjoyable, but the show had reached a point where it was too long and I'm starting to zone out. And this is a worry of what also for AEW, because... As much as I love AEW, because of course they're the next big thing on the horizon, I love AEW for what I've seen so far. I'm really excited to see what's going to happen with that company. Maybe love is a bit strong. <laughs> that I've enjoyed their shows, but I've not seen their television, so I can't really form an opinion on a promotion where we've essentially just read the prologue of the book. Why would I? Yeah, I've said that on multiples of my own shows. I'm live every Thursday with Imp's LOP Radio Adventure, or Imp and LOP, as I like <laughs> to call it jokingly to myself. But, uh, yeah, just the point of it feels like with AEW, we've watched the prologue, and we're now about to watch the main film or whatever. So, yeah, why review it? I'm meant to be talking about something entirely different. Oh, no, sorry, this does link. <laughs> so, with AEW, their shows are great and exciting, but they are just too long. So this isn't an issue where it's like, oh, it's the way WWE do their shows where that last bit feels too long. It's like, no, AEW are making the same like error for me, personally. This I have the same exact feeling. 
even when I'm enjoying the show to the level that I am with AEW, I still start to feel the fatigue and zone out. Even when it's the kind of product that I should be loving. And I am relatively really enjoying it, even said that I love AEW. <laughs> Which is, I want to take that back. <laughs> There's a bit of a strong emotion at this stage in our relationship. But, but yes, yeah, so it's a, it's a universal wrestling issue where if you start to the matches are maybe a bit too long or there's just one or two too many of them then yeah the fatigue will be hit and it's it's not unique to WWE because I get the same thing with AEW so when I say it's a criticism it's more of like modern day wrestling it's just like a pet peeve that I especially if you look back at it's as recently as the Smackdown Live pay-per-views where they were like two and a half hours or like NXT as well They've recently changed to be closer to three. But in that two, two and a half hour kind of bubble, for me, that is perfect. Absolutely perfect. The sh- because it means the show absolutely flows with no kind of downtime or anything. When you go over three hours, that's when the questions ne- kind of need to be asked of, is it worthy of the time? Does it need it? And aside, really, from WrestleMania... And SummerSlam, I guess Royal Rumble, when you add the women's match into it, is going to have to be. But like that show, you really start to feel the fatigue. But with two Rumbles, I can't really picture another way. Uh, like I don't want to kick off a show with a Rumble and like bookend it with Rumbles, because then you've got a massive gap in the middle that no one gives a shit about. <laughs> so it's a bit odd. Uh, but yeah, aside from WrestleMania and SummerSlam, they don't warrant the length. Like, there's no need for these shows to be this long. Uh, they've handicapped themselves by doing a show where every title's on the line, but of course they've got ten titles, so suddenly the show's going to be really long, so that's lovely. They even have to bump one of them to the free show. <laughs> it says it all. But yes, show which was relatively fine and enjoyable, it was a B pay-per-view. If I'm going to have to give it a simple review like that, it was built like a B pay-per-view, it watched like a B pay-per-view. So you're getting what you're expecting, essentially. Uh, no, I wouldn't get aside from Sasha Banks uh, versus Becky. I want to call her Bailey for some reason. Versus Becky Lynch. Aside from that match, I don't really think I'd recommend any of them to you. It depends how much you care about the ongoing stories, which really the last three, especially the last two matches, are really about. Then, then you can watch those. But in terms of if you're somebody who wants to watch fantastic wrestling, Sasha Banks, Becky Lynch, and that's pretty much it. So yeah. So. Before, there's the, well, I want to talk about the main event in Seth Rollins vs. Braun Strowman, and then I want to do Roman Rowan, uh, and then I'll go through the card in order. So, yeah, so the final two matches, and then I'll go through the card in order, because that means I kind of got a second round of main events with the Raw Championship and the WWE SmackDown Championship, whatever it's just, it's just WWE Championship, isn't it? I think so, yep. Also, my mouth is struggling to move good, so that's great. <laughs> the early morning is finally hitting me. I'm just going to check something on the internet. Anyway, so the main events of Braun Strowman versus Seth Rollins, I loved how explosive it was immediately out of the gate. Like That immediately got me. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I want from this match. Braun Strowman going straight after him, completely destroying him. I thought that was brilliant. And yeah, that was... Perfect for me, what I wanted from this match. There's like no downtime, because I will fall asleep. Like no downtime at all. This is great. Yes, continue with this. <laughs> and the, like for me, the uh, thing that I was worried about was they might make it a bit long. 
Because uh, that's the worry WWE is will they realise that at this point in time a shorter match is probably a better match. Quite often they don't. But the fact that they did here, yes, it's fantastic. Yes, love it. Which is just a bit of a shame uh, that I didn't care about the story. <laughs> it's, it's another one. But it's a similar theme with the main events in this kind of uh, in this pay-per-view where the matches were fine. I didn't really care about the story. I wasn't really invested in why said things were happening. Uh, the tag team thing with Rollins and Strowman didn't really add to this match. Didn't really create any animosity or anything to really make you excited to see this one. There was a bit of, bit of a confusion and one of them was angry about it. That's pretty much it. There wasn't... There wasn't much heat going into this match. Doesn't mean it was a bad match because it was a really good match. It's one of the best ones of the night. I probably call it the second best match of the night. So, it, in no way was it a bad match. And uh, the fact Braun Strowman was so explosive out the gate, it was like, yes, this is exactly what it needs to be. And now Seth Rollins can play the guys fighting back from the explosive start like he wasn't ready. He's now going to be fighting back, which again I also thought was great. And the use of the tables, <laughs> breaking the table with a suicide dive, <laughs> that was interesting. Uh, and then you, you got the Seth Rollins going for the frog splash, but Braun Strowman's seen that spot before, I thought that was also great. Uh, just playing off our expectations. He did that a few times, played off our expectations. Like the other time was when Braun Strowman was down and Seth Rollins went for one curb stomp. Immediate kick out, two curb stomps, or oh, a closer fall, three curb stomps, oh, and even closer fall. Like, I really, really like that. And the way that he won in the end was using the pedigree, which he very rarely pulls out, which is... Uh, I like that the pedigree's become so special with Seth Rollins that you just don't expect to see it anymore. Like, for me, a move is great in its... I need. I only use this specifically when I really need it. The best kind of feeling you have for that move is, oh, he must have dropped the move, or he doesn't do that move anymore. Like, he uses it that infrequently that you don't know that it's still in his repertoire. It's like, yes, I like that. Like, Autumn with the punt. Where it's just like, oh, he, it's so out of use now because of the concussion stuff that he can't really do the punt. So have him go for the punt and miss. It's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> I really like that. Uh, di- different here because Seth Rollins going for, he did actually hit the pedigree and then went for a curb stomp. But yeah, the point is, <laughs> there are two moves that are used so infrequently you would just assume that they're not part of their repertoire anymore. But they are. And they get a nice pop and surprise when it happens. So, yeah, But yeah, in the end, Seth Rollins' speed was too much for Strowman. And Braun Str- the best spot of the entire match was brought flying Strowman as he launched from the top rope and landed all on his knees. And that led to the end where he couldn't do the power slam thing because of his knee. And that gave Seth Rollins the room to then hit the pedigree and the curb stomp. But yes, flying Strowman... Between Flying Strowman and Air Ishii, I think it would be the be- the most unexpected, yet really f- fantastic <laughs> flying spot in wrestling in 2019. So far, it's Air Ishii and Flying Strowman. So, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a good award, that. <laughs> I have to try and remember it for the end of the year. Because <laughs> I, I never remember these silly awards. <sighs> but yes, an enjoyable main event, with lots of chaos happening, immediately explosive... And people going through announce tables, sometimes by accident by the looks of it, with the Strowman suicide dive, the ama- amazing airborne Strowman, and then Rollins just unable to put away Strowman. However, it was Strowman was his own defeat, which is seemingly the same story they always tell with Strowman, but if that's his character flaw, that's his character flaw. 
Like at least it's a wrestler in WWE that has a character flaw. It's like he's actually got depth. My God. <laughs> so yeah, how nice. So uh, Water Joe he normally just charges into the ring post, which he did in this match. And earlier, and also Rowan did it. It's monsters are the they can only be their own downfall. You can't actually beat them; <laughs> they have to uh, just take themselves down first, <laughs> especially with Strowman. But yes, the the uh, yes, yeah, so first he did go into the ring post, but really it was when he jumped from the top rope and hurt his knee that led him to the finish. He's like, oh, I like that. Yes, it was great, and it it all it all fit and made sense. And he could imagine that Braun would forget because he's kind of hyping up coming back from being pretty much down and out. And he can just hit one more explosive move and he could win it. And that's kind of when he forgets about his knee. And that's when it flares up and Rollins can get the win. A man who is very experienced in knee injuries. Or at least knee injuries that are then perfectly fine five seconds later to be back again. (laughs) Five seconds after that. (laughs) It's like, yeah. Uh, Seth Rollins and his relationship with his knee. But the talking point. Yes, the match uh, beat my expectations and it was built kind of perfectly. However, the talking point is the post-match, where they got us with the graphic again. So, I was just waiting for The Fiend. Like, I don't know how many people were also like this, but the entire match, I'm like, even though this is relatively enjoyable, really, I'm only sticking around for The Fiend. <laughs> like, well, for me, obviously, I've got to do this show, so I'm sticking around until the next video starts to play on the network. Like, I have less of a choice than most normal people. However... That was the thing I was interested in. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's Strowman versus Rollins, yeah, yeah, but, but the Fiend, ah, that's why I'm here. And that, it did give a hot end as well, which was really needed for a pay-per-view like this, to kind of just, if the match had ended with that, it was like, ah, oh, that would have been fine, just solidified it as a B-show, even even maybe like a tier below that, because I don't know if you could class Hell in the Cell as like a B-pay-per-view, but that's like a much bigger one, uh, as it kind of builds towards Survivor Series. Whilst this would have gone, just gone down as like a C pay view in a way as well. So it was great to see this kind of feed. And the assumption is the Fiend versus Rollins will take place at Hell in a Cell. And they've kind of got Fiend-like graphics with the Hell with the Hell in a Cell itself kind of wrapping its way around the wrestlers. Which I loved that uh, promo package they played. Like, they're so good at promo packages, WWE. Like Every year they're so inventive with them. Like, you can tell it's if that department had any workings in any some other creative things. I know this is more artistic creation, doesn't quite cross over, but there is creativeness in that company at quite a high degree. <laughs> and it shows with this kind of thing. Whoever edits and makes those is like, yeah, or, or thinks them up, like, yeah, bloody creative people, like, bravo. But yes, The Fiend is the big talking point here. And I am, um, I'd say I'm excited, but I'm more interested whilst also holding back because <laughs> it's that thing of right now the fiend is past that era of just getting his character over now he's in a main event storyline and it's going to be taking place at Hell in a Cell and it's for the title it's like this is where if you've got any worries about the fiend and then the character may be going awry and something not quite working this is the kind of point that would happen However, it's also the part where it can blow away all of those worries. So both things could happen. <laughs> We're still in the early stages of The Fiend. We've not seen the character in an actual fleshed-out feud or anything. We've just seen him beat up people and get across the Fiend character and, it's ma- and the madness behind it and the uh, Ray Wyatt and his ch- children's TV show. There's all of that together. They got across the 
It's a pretty complex character for WWE. And now they're at that point where they're putting him into a feud. This is where we see how does it actually go? Like he's white hot at the moment. They've not put a step wrong as far as I'm concerned with this Bray Wyatt themed character. It's, they have successfully built up the mystique around him. The, it feels like a big deal whenever he shows up. The crowds pop whenever it happens. As, and like they're really excited that they were lucky enough to see a fiend moment. Which when he brought up, when he get that reaction out of people, it's like you've done a really good job of building up that character. So with the fiend going into the feud with Seth Rollins, the fiend is the white hot character, and I just can't see Seth Rollins. The reason I can't see Seth Rollins leaving Hell in a Cell with the title is just because how over Bray Wyatt is. And in a match like Hell in a Cell, you can't do a disqualification finish, which was a, a note we've hopefully learnt from last year. <laughs> which was just, no, don't do that, please. <laughs> That's just rubbish. So hopefully they don't do that. <laughs> oh, that's my worry. Didn't want Seth Rollins to keep it. Ugh. That was, that's part of my worries. But I'm fully expecting The Fiend to win just because of the kind of character he is. And in a way, they can have a Undertaker-like mystique in the sense of The Undertaker wasn't there every single week, but he would also do his promos. Whilst Bray Wyatt, he can do his promos. He doesn't have to be there every single week. He could do his family, Firefly Funhouse kind of with the title if he wins it. So he didn't even necessarily have to be on Raw this week. They can just do a Firefly Funhouse segment. Or something being inventive with it. I don't know. <laughs> it's a very, very interesting time for this character because what happens next? How do he actually integrate with the characters in the world other than just beating him up? That, I'm really interested in that. But we'll wait and see. <laughs> it's a, it, there is a reason I have my kind of doubts but that's more because of WWE's recent past and if the kind of wording is true with everything where it's like Ray Wyatt is very very heavy in the creative process of this character and he still is to this day that gives you a bit more hope than if it was just pure uh, I guess something where Vince McMahon was already putting his fingers in kind of scenario but yeah he's proven that he knows what he's doing and the thing that will really tick the higher ups is the fact that he's selling lots of merch in the process as well so monetarily, he's proven it works. <laughs> so they might trust him a little bit more. Uh, and with trust comes, hopefully, a bit more freedom creatively. So I'm excited. What on earth does he do to Seth Rollins <laughs> inside Hell in a Cell? Uh, hopefully winning the title. The other big storyline, which was before this uh, show, was the biggest storyline in WWE. And I'm really happy it didn't go on last, because that kind of shifts it to the biggest story being Seth Rollins versus The Fiend, which is great. Roman versus Rowan, a.k.a. good luck reading these notes, imp. The name Rowan is just Roman with the M upside down. <laughs> so, uh, I've, I've written next to it as well, read this out loud. <laughs> so I wrote that during the match. <laughs> uh, thank you, past me. <laughs> so, with, seemingly with the crowd, I started to feel the tiredness with this match. Uh, I was popping for the spots and then slipping back into my slumber. <laughs> like This brawl had more weapons and things than the brawl that was in the Sasha Banks-Becky Lynch match, which is more like a touring gig, in a way. It's like a nice a nice circle going up and then back down again. This was just a brawl all over the arena involving weapons, lots of tables, a Rowan putting Roman through multiple tables, the announce table, there was another table he did as well. The jig came in at one point, 
Oh, sorry, jig, the jib. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, lots of tables, bins, sorry, trash cans, uh, camera jibs, and, oh my God, Luke Harper. I did not see Luke Harper coming. <laughs> Somebody immediately with a great tweet of, it's Sunday, you know what that means. <laughs> I was like, yes, yes I do. Oh, that's a, a very good joke referring to his Twitter account where he just tweets the day and everything. Ha ha ha. <laughs> but yes, so the word was that Luke Harper was... Like pretty much done with the company and he was just sitting out his contract. He wanted to leave he publicly asked for his release and was denied it and then he's just been stuck in WWE doing absolutely nothing ever since. Uh, apparently after WrestleMania like around WrestleMania time he did have a broken hand or something like he had a hand injury thought or wrist injury something to do with his arm. <laughs> he had some sort of form of injury and the thinking was he was just going to sit out his contract. But no he's now just Attacked Roman Reigns and they got Rowan and uh, uh, Rowan and Harper back together again. What does this mean? I don't know. Mostly because they just established Rowan as his own character and he's no longer he's not an underling to anybody like not to Bray, not to Daniel, not the. Uh, well, again, technically he was under Harper because Harper was the he was seen by everybody as he's the good wrestler and Rowan's just with him in a way. He's another big guy. This had properly established him away from all of that. He didn't. He wasn't under anyone anymore. He was his own guy, and he was getting over. And he seemed like a really big deal going against Roman. Like that aspect of this storyline had worked. There's a reason on my own show on Thursday I was comparing this to the Claire Lynch storyline, but from TNA. That that's classic. What I meant by that was that it was an absolutely bollocks piece of storyline. But that doesn't mean there wasn't anything good in it. The big thing to come out of the Claire Lynch storyline was the modern day there, SCU, but yes. Christopher Daniels and Kazarian, the first time they properly teamed up and became a genuine... Like they got that, they figured out that act, and they got super over together. It was in the Claire Lynch storyline. <laughs> so it gave us awesome heels, even though the story was rubbish. Like, they were doing everything they can to get this utterly crap <laughs> piece of writing over. And they got over in the process. The storyline didn't. Like, no one cared. It just became more and more n- nonsense. But the act, in terms of Christopher... I think they were called Bad Influence at the time in TNA. Yeah, they got over. Similar thing happening here. The storyline is rubbish. But so, but it is working, and Rowan has become a great heel out of it. Like, he's a really, really good... He's been seizing his opportunities. Like The two segments he's had on SmackDown, he's, he's gotten over. It's worked. Even if reasons for what led into said thing working... But bollocks writing a television. <laughs> it's like, sometimes in wrestling, it doesn't matter. If you get over, you get over. Uh, which is why I'm a little bit confused why Harper comes in. Because is the dynamic different where Rowan is now seen as the star and Harper is there as the muscle when he always would have assumed it'd be the other way around. I'm kind of fine with that because they've gotten Rowan's character over unless they're just equals working together. We don't know. don't know anything. It's just a massive surprise and I'm just... The fact that I am figuring out or trying to think what would Harper be doing in this situation what's he here for or anything like that that tells me to do something right because I wasn't doing any of that with the Roman storyline to be fair that's not really the Roman storyline <laughs> like the stuff actually to do with Roman Reigns and who attacked Roman Reigns and all that yeah couldn't give less of a crap like is it definitely Rowan has that been confirmed that it's definitely Rowan does that mean all of the other angles have indeed been dropped it's definitely Rowan Half of the stuff they were doing with their investigation just pretend it didn't happen. <laughs> it's just because it's Rowan. 
Like, really, it's been written in such a manner that I'd be fine with that. It's just, yeah, I'm happy to move on. <laughs> like, I enjoyed my time whilst we were living in the nonsense. However, maybe it's not worth trying to make sense of it and you just move on. <laughs> just pick something and go with it, uh, which could be Rowan. Even if the a supposed kind of trajectory for it originally was Daniel Bryan uh, versus Roman Reigns, which has been proven to be a great match. But if they've gone with Rowan, after Rowan started to get over, kudos to him. Uh, yeah, well done. But, as I said, even though this match was a big brawl with lots of weapons, it went all over the arena, you had the awesome camera jib spots, and then the big surprise of Luke Harper, it was a tad long for me, <laughs> and I did start to kind of zone out in between all of the spots. So, this is one of those where I was like, I don't know if it's because it's the match it's come after, and I don't know if it's because of how early it is, or how late it is at night, how early it is in the morning, whichever one, that's how late it is. <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know which one, uh, which factor is the bigger factor, but I did start to zone out. I, I was popping with the spots and then just back into slumber, <laughs> just kind of semi-paying attention. So, yeah, didn't care for a lot of this match, and even the brawl stuff started to get no reaction. Like, there was a really inventive spot where... Uh, Rowan lifted up the kind of protective bit that's over the LED board and I was like oh this is different that's really easy. I wonder if he does a cool spot on there he could drop his back onto it that'll seem really vicious as well or he could put him on it and then maybe stomp really hard or just like rub, 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 rub his face across it or something uh, no he just did the kind of lift face drop kind of thing and Rowan Blake needs to get his hands up and the crowd didn't give a shit <laughs> I was just like oh like maybe they made a bigger bigger show of doing it maybe it would, might have got a bigger kind of impact but no it's fine which was kind of a story of this match where there was stuff the spots happening but the crowd was starting to the, you could tell the tiredness was kind of hitting them uh, but I don't know if that was k- coming out of Kingston Orton because they were proven they can wake up because of Roland Strowman it's like yeah that match woke them up because it was just explosive <laughs> there was lots of things going on immediately this match was peaks and troughs. There was, uh, you see an explosion, but then it's just nothing for a bit as they kind of walk around and set the next thing up and you just get, it's a bit slow and ploddy. So, yeah. yeah. Something about Roman matches. Like, when I start, when they started doing Roman Reigns in the main event, the kind of, the big thing that kind of pushed me away from them was this kind of pacing where you've, uh, technically, there's lots of stuff in there I should like, but the way that it's paced and kind of plodded out and yeah, I just kind of lose interest and get a bit tired. Uh, so I was really happy this wasn't the main event. <laughs> I much preferred what was it. It yeah, this yeah, this match was a bit too slow for me, a bit slow. Plot, which is why I wouldn't recommend it, even though the ending is uh, really surprising and caught everyone off guard. Uh, for me, again, everything about this storyline screams that it's been made up week to week. At best, two weeks ahead. Because he's getting such random stuff, it doesn't really link, and things are changing all the time. That Roman's gotten over, and that's great. But there's so much stuff that happens and then gets immediately dropped. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, that felt like you tried something out that week, and it was rubbish and weird. So you try something else that next week, like yeah, yeah. But how Luke Harper fits into all this, don't know. Generally interested, mostly because I, this storyline screams that because it screams that it's been made up week to week. When I say I'm generally interested to see why Luke Harper's in there. By that I mean what they come up with to explain why Luke Harper's there. <laughs> so I'm 
interested to see what they come up with. And I reckon it'll entertain me, good or bad. So yeah, Roman's been good though. So if it can, maybe from the point that Roman's revealed, if it, it, it could be good from there on out. It's just the actual part where all the attacks were happening were so badly produced and then portrayed as this super serious thing. It just felt like a huge joke to me. <laughs> it's just like, oh, I can't, I can't not analyse the thing that you made. <laughs> it's, it's just such weird quality and it feels so fake and student filmy. <laughs> it's just, yeah. Anyway, that is the like, the first two big matches I want to talk about. And a nice 30 minutes into the show. So I am going to down this pint of water... And in that time, we're just going to have a quick little ad break to pay for all of this, because, yeah, it's not cheap to host all of this stuff for us all to use. So, anyway, uh, I'll be back in about five seconds. If you're listening uh, recorded and not live, enjoy your geolocated ads. Right, see you in a little bit. Oops, you can forgive me, it's ten past four in the morning and what just happened was I pressed the, what I thought was going to be the unmute me button, turns out it was a play button, (laughs) it starts playing the theme for my normal Thursday show and then uh, the bit I just did there, the little intro of oops, yeah, I did that twice because my mic was still muted. <laughs> so I then unmuted it and did it again. Oh, like a true professional. At ten past four in the morning. Oh. Well, a little bit of fun. For, that, that'll, that'll mark where to put the advert nicely for me. <laughs> oh. uh, so if, you li- if you're not, if you're listening recorded, I guess sorry for the silence. <laughs> a little bit. But you understand why now. It was, it was a comedic moment. Yeah, well, well done, Imp. Well done, me. <laughs> anyway, so we have a, quite a long show. I've, I've already said I didn't really watch the pre-show. I watched Styles Alexander. It happened like ten minutes before the show went live, so I was paying a bit more attention there. Just get one snacks together, and it was a, it was bloody amazing. It was brilliant. <laughs> like third best match of the night. I thought it would be like so difficult to top, but I enjoyed the main event a hell of a lot. And then, as I've already said, Banks versus Lynch was just. Everything was perfection for me. Uh, and yeah, this match was just, why is it on the pre-show when I look at the card and I see other matches? It's like, hmm, this is an interesting one. <laughs> but yeah, uh, pre-show was, yeah. If you want to watch Styles Alexander, you'll be done in like five minutes. It's like, yeah, it's such a short match and it's, it's really, really good. Uh, anyway, for the main card, we kicked off. With Rudolph, uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler defeating Seth Rollins and Braun Strowman for the Raw Tag Team Championships. Uh, that was via Braun Strowman steam training into everyone at the end and Rollins kind of getting, claw- getting caught in a glorious DDT in the aftermath. Uh, there, was no, there were no missteps before that moment, uh, but it was, I guess, a nice setup for the main event, like the kind of confusion but it didn't add any heat to it though that's the point I was like making when I was talking about the main event it was nice it was kind of kept the match interesting got a good pop as well it led to the kind of yeah the bit of anger between them and Strowman is not very happy backstage but it didn't add any heat to the match 
<laughs> I didn't really care. So, uh, that's fine, I guess. Bit of a shame. But with uh, the actual match itself, yeah, it was a perfectly fine opener. It's the Dolph Ziggler special to be in a tag match against Seth Rollins in September. Who <laughs> did it last year? He's doing it again here. He's very, very good in that spot. Uh, and once again, he upsets uh, Seth Rollins and takes the championships. It was the tag team together for a storyline versus the tag team out of nowhere. So that's kind of why I didn't have any interest really going in. Like Bobby Roode wasn't a character until his team with Dolph Ziggler. And Dolph Ziggler had just been floating about for a bit. He seemed to be getting over with the Goldberg thing. Like fans were actually responding to that. And I like the idea of, Seth, of Dolph Ziggler just getting more and more angry and falling more and more into the void as he's like, this is truly distracting him and he's not concentrating on matches and he's losing. Just the week after that, he's in a tag team with Bobby Roode that's all dropped and suddenly he's good again. <laughs> with like, no comment. Like, okay, then Dolph, I guess, tag team specialist is again. That doesn't mean the tag team is bad, it just means it's out of nowhere and I've got no investment. Uh, and it means I've got to just ignore all the kind of character and story that was happening the week before it. But yeah, I get used to that with WWE. That's the number one rule when you watch WWE. Do not get invested, especially with non-main event stuff. If you think you're seeing character development, no, stop it. (laughs) Drop the idea that you're seeing a flowing story, because after two or three weeks, it'll be gone. Again, that's the rule with WWE. The three-week rule, does this exist after three weeks? And if you look back on a year, you can do it with 2018. If you look back on all of the storylines that you thought had happened, just see how many of them actually stop-start and actually go for a certain amount of time. It's surprisingly low. Like the amount of storylines that start and go nowhere, or there's things that are dropped or just run from one between the, in that gap between one pay per view and the next, and then they're just dropped again. It's like yeah, it's quite just it, it explains a lot when you go back and actually analyse this stuff. Yeah, which I'm nerdy enough to do. <laughs> but yeah, this was a fun opener. Not really much more to say about that. Uh, this is what I'm talking about by the two and a half to three star kind of matches. Like it's not great for an aftershock. Because not much really happens in these matches apart from like one or two spots. Uh, you got Strowman running wild on the outside. You got Seth Rollins doing his high flying spots and uh, Rude and Ziggler countering. That's pretty much the majority of this match. Uh, and in the end, that's kind of what happened with uh, Rollins seemingly having the upper end, but then Strowman just darts right at them, uh, accidentally takes out Rollins, Ziggler, and himself. Uh, and then in the aftermath, Bobby Rude hits a glorious DDT and wins. So the Champions from out of nowhere now. <laughs> They're the tag champions from out of nowhere. Uh, in the division, a, a bit weird. And now the Revival, who are on Raw, are the, Smack, are the SmackDown tag team champions, just to confuse things a tad more. But there's a draft happening later. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, immediately after this match, we got a backstage interview with Braun Strowman, uh, who was looking a bit sad. Uh, he talks about how, in the title match, Rollins better be ready, because he's going to get these hives. Which my throat won't let me do properly at quarter past four. <laughs> uh, yeah, perfectly fine. And I was just like, oh, he look, he looks so sad. Poor Brawny. <laughs> he looks so sad backstage. Uh, he was fine from the main event. Perfectly fine. Second match of the night for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Because don't forget, Clash of Champions is the show where every single title is on the line. Which is why people were kind of... Poking jokes on Twitter <laughs> before the show where it's rumoured Roman Rowan might go on last. <laughs> it's just like, oh, a show where that's your slogan 
and you, your main event is the one match without a title. Yeah, so I'm glad they didn't go that route. But uh, yes, Bailey defeated Charlotte Flair via Bailey pulling Charlotte's face first into the unexplode first turnbuckle and then stealing the quick pin before bolting it out of there with like lightning. I loved it. <laughs> it was great. Uh, the match itself, again, not going to rate that highly. However, I loved the ending and just the fact that Bailey stole the pin and then pegged it. It's like, yes, I love that. And it's just this it's this interweaving, evolving story between all four of the horsewomen. Or specifically, you got Bailey and Sasha on one side and Becky and Charlotte on the other. And this is added to it. Uh, this is one of those things which I would say you can't give many stars. It made the show really feel like the B show it is. But I mean both of those things in a truly positive way. Like for me, that was, yeah, I loved this for what it was. And it really added to it and it built to the next thing. This being a B pay per view. Yeah, the perfect kind of pay per view to do this on. Like Hell in a Cell, you're really starting to kind of gear towards Survivor Series. Not so much at Class of Champions. You're gearing towards another B pay per view, which a B pay per view with a bit more to it, but still, it's still a B pay per view. <laughs> like it's not a big four, so you can do like evolving storyline stuff like this without doing a big payoff, and it's blatantly going to lead to more stuff. It's like yeah, I loved it, and it was unique and it was different. Like it wasn't just your normal double pin or your dis- straight up disqualification or anything, and it, ma- it painted Bailey as a heel for like the first time properly in her feud. It's like yeah. Loved this. <laughs> Again, it was another short and sweet didn't outstay its time, which will be an issue when I get to the main event. You know, well, I guess the final match we're talking about in this segment. But it was... Didn't, yeah, didn't outstay its welcome. Was nice. It was nice and smooth and everything in terms of like the rest of the match. <laughs> like, there was nothing to sing home about, but then there's nothing wrong with it as well. It built really well to the end, which is kind of pretty important for a match of, I guess, this length. But yeah. And great stuff for Bailey. And now Charlotte Flair, even though technically still a heel, is it's got like a reason to be pissed as well. That's just like personally, this'll be great for longer if they just don't turn Charlotte face, just keep her as this character, but the enemy of my enemy is my friend, that kind of thing. So yeah, I like that. Third match of the night, which I've already hinted at a little bit, uh, also on the SmackDown side, the SmackDown Tag Team Championships. With the revival defeating the New Day's Big E and Javier Woods, who had both been taken out by uh, FTRKO, got it eventually. And uh, this was, uh, but they said that Big E was there, but Javier Woods was kind of a surprise return earlier on the pre-show. Uh, but the revival got the win after they targeted Woods' knee in the match. Uh, Big E then later on got taken out by a Shatter Machine on the outside. Like poor, I think it was Dash Wilder did the knees. <laughs> it was like. He just, yep, yeah, he got Big E lifted onto him on the up, yep, yeah, poor, poor Dash. <laughs> uh, but then Javier couldn't beat the odds with Big E taken out. He himself did his best, but then met a, also met a shatter machine. And there was a bit of weird miscommunication. And uh, Dawson and Wilder decided that they would go after the knee again. Uh, with, and via submission, Woods tapped out. This match was bloody great. <laughs> like, especially as um, I've. There's a huge chunk between uh, the revival targeting Woods' knee and Big E being taken out on the outside. There's a reason they took Big E out, and Big E was wrecking shop. <laughs> he was awesome. He was great. He he added the the hot tags and everything to his match. It was uh, really really good. Woods himself. There's a reason they went after his knee as well after he was doing the high flying spots and uh, kind of taking it to the revival. 
this was a really, really good match. Like, I enjoyed this just as much as I did every other Revival New Day match. Like, they, these two always bring it together. Like, they're really, really good when they are put together. It was bloody great. <laughs> really, really good. Again, not really going to rate this more than three stars, but that doesn't mean I didn't enjoy it. Which yeah, That's why I don't really like the Dave... If I'm not a Dave Meltzer, I'm not a rated person who put stars on everything. But it's just that I did really enjoy it so that the stars don't tell the story <laughs> so yes really enjoyable tag team match and the surprise of the Revival beating the New Day especially because the Revival are on Raw however with the draft happening then maybe you can still you can start to set up stuff with the wildcard rule to kind of put people in place ready for the draft in a way so the wildcard rule is still in effect and it's still kind of world breaking bollocks that makes being on a brand mean nothing. However, they are going to mean something hopefully in like two weeks' time. I know three weeks' time because they've got a debut first. So yeah, I'm fine with it personally. And uh, FTRKO seems to be a great stable to take on the new day, even if it's temporary. I really enjoy it now. They also had a hashtag FTRKO written on their trunks as well. Orton didn't pay the same mind. <laughs> I thought they might have the same colour. No. Revival had it written in red and Randy Orton had his stuff written in like lime green. <laughs> like, didn't get the memo, did you, Randy? You couldn't have gotten dark red. <sighs> what you like, Randy? But yes, the tag match was great and the Revival, after the match, cut a, pro- a scathing promo and everything which linked this match to the main... Uh, not the- well, to the SmackDown main event. No, that's not true because Roman Roman was their main event. Ah, to the title match later, I'll just say that. Yeah, really enjoyed this. But again, it's not any worse or better than the other Revival New Day matches. So you could just watch any Revival New Day match and you enjoy it just as much as I did this one. There, Yeah, do good work together. Next up, we have our fourth match of the show and our third tag team match. <laughs> it's like, my God, WWE's booking New Japan. Uh, Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross defeated Fire and Desire, Mandy Rose and Sonny Deville to retain their women's tag team championships. Via Nikki Cross hitting a... I guess draped on the top rope, rope spinning neckbreaker, uh, which looked awesome and yeah, <laughs> that, yeah, that's a great finisher. It's one of those moves where even you could call it not her finisher, but it works because it's so kind of impactful and just devastating looking that it could end a match. Like Kevin Owens has got a few of those. He's got his normal moves, but then he's got the odd move which, if hit perfectly at the right point in the match, could like, be devastating and end it. Throat suddenly went dry. <laughs> Needed a quick drink. But the kind of other part to this was it seemed to come after Bliss seemed to take a not nice looking uh, bump off the top rope. Uh, I don't know. If, I didn't see anyone really talking about it, but it looked to me like when Sonny Deville pulled Alexa Bliss off the top rope, she might have got a stinger or she just landed a bit hard and was just a bit tweaked or something. Or she was just selling. And I'm speaking nonsense. <laughs> so it was, Yeah. So I don't know if I was watching it a little bit differently because I saw that. But yeah, amazing ending. Still built up really well. It didn't really affect anything. So good for Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And good for Nikki Cross to get a win on pay-per-view. Like, she feels like a bigger deal because she didn't win the match by being Riley or scoring a cheeky pinfalls. Like, no, she hit a proper move and took her out. <laughs> so it's like good stuff. Uh, however, for the first half of this match, I made tea. I went to the I went to the toilet, I came back and made a lovely hot cup of tea, 
Like, I'm sorry, it was a long night for me. <laughs> uh, and there was also like a 24-7 run-in during this match, which kind of stamps that WWE probably didn't care for this match more, much more than I did. Uh, admittedly, I did laugh when Alexa tried to pin our truth during her own match. So, technically, the first person to ever be involved in two matches at the same time in WWE history. Not going to fact-check that. Don't know if someone else can. <laughs> but... uh the crowd seems to die of death in this match. Kind of shows the care put on, I guess, television to build it, make you care about the characters and the way it's been presented on the pay-per-view. Yeah, you were kind of told not to care too much about it. And the crowd, yeah, were happy to go along with that. A nice ending sequences uh, with a, a close near fall early on, which was a, which was great after the... I called it the high and low, but I don't know if it's called that, where it was the running knee from uh, Mandy Rose and like leg swoop from Sonya. And it looks awesome. So, yeah. It was, yeah. That was a great kind of thing. Because you're like, oh crap, they've won here. Especially when they've told you that these titles don't really mean that much like on the product. Then when that move happens, you're like, oh, they could literally win because it doesn't matter. <laughs> so that actually, it led into it. And the ending part of this match was really good. So, yeah. Yeah. Eh, first half. Eh, 24-7 bit. But then great end. So, yeah, that's a pattern on this show. Even if the match wasn't amazing, the ends of all the matches were mostly great. I say mostly because there's one. Like, my favourite match of the night, the ending was pretty naff, or at least it was executed a bit naffily. (coughs) But it continues something great, so it's odd. I don't know what my feelings are. Uh, After this, we have the Intercontinental Championship. Beforehand, I was like, so you put this on the show and not AJ Styles, Cedric Alexander. After watching the match, yeah, not thinking that at all. They, these two surprised me. I really enjoyed this one. So it was uh, Shinsuke Nakamura, accompanied by uh, Sami Zayn and his gob, defeated The Miz uh, after a, a school-crushing finale. Uh, Zayn ran into field to stop the pin. Uh, Miz then got angry and put on his grumpy face, uh, chased Sami Zayn around the ring in anger, and that's when Nakamura caught him with a kick, rolled The Miz back into the ring, and then delivered a Kinshasa one, two, three. Yeah, this match really caught me off guard. I was expecting, eh, when in reality I got a pretty pretty good three-star match again. <laughs> again, nothing insanely amazing, but this was a really solid match that I really enjoyed. And both guys did an amazing job at making me care. Like you watch, you see, nowadays we've seen Shinsuke Nakamura so infrequently that when he wrestles you're like, yeah, that guy's really good <laughs> when he's actually given the time to wrestle on a show like this. Like he shines because yes, he, yeah, he's good, isn't he? And like the Miz as well played re- played really well into it. Yes, his offense doesn't always hit right. Like it worked really well when he was a heel and he was doing these moves and it's like crap versions of the like Danny Boy moves especially as a face. Like it doesn't quite work like that, but he's still got the ability to get the crowd into the match. Heel or face, he's proving here that he knows how to do it now. And both of these guys are in there as veterans, and it showed. Like, they did an amazing job getting everyone into this match. Uh, the crowd were really caring, like, they really didn't want Nakamura to win, and they were really behind the Miz. And you can't really, for this spot, like, fifth match, slap, sm- I can't speak, smack bang in the middle of the crowd. The crowd, I can't believe, still can't speak, <laughs> smack bang in the middle of the card. Uh, this match was, yeah. It was perfect. It was m- w- may- way better than I was expecting it to be. Uh, 
and yeah, yeah, I'm pleasantly surprised by Nakamura Miz, and throughout the, all all of it, I'm going, please don't have the Miz win because this is the other thing where he finally gets an opportunity to shine in Nakamura, and that's because they're taking the belt off of him and putting it on someone else. That's not what they did at all. Uh, Sami Zayn and he's been teaming with Nakamura obviously recently, and it kind of works. And the Miz is really getting angry at Zayn. However, he's not the one with the championship, and I like that. <laughs> that Nakamura, he's the champion, and it's kind of uh, the Sami Zayn factor is working, and the Miz is getting caught up in that. It's like, I like that. That's been the Miz's downfall this year, 2019. That he he has been his own downfall, his anger, the fact he can't contain it. It's losing in matches. He lost it to Shane McMahon and he's losing it here again. Poor Miz. <laughs> he's not going to win anything in this thing. Uh, but yes, both Nakamura and Miz did a brilliantly job match. Brilliant job with this match. Oh, even if the build's been pretty naff to me. Again, it's weird because the, the build's been more about getting Sami Zayn and Nakamura over as an act together uh, and making the Miz feel like a credible challenger because when he was announced, he'd had no like previous with either of them at all. Maybe sane, but I've got nothing in my head that that's true. Like, there was nothing. They were put together in a match, and it was just like, I guess that's a thing then. And when they were announced that a title match would be moving to the pre-show, I just assumed it'd be this one, because the build's been pretty eh. And especially as Cedric Alexander and AJ Styles, like they main evented, they were the closing segment in the garden. And then, yeah, it's like only WWE would the angle that main evented Madison Square Garden on Monday be on the pre-show with five minutes? <laughs> That's a so, so weird thing to think. But the Intercontinental Championship, it did have time, and it was also good. So I can't really complain. Like both, They surprised me. Pleasant surprise, this match. Yeah, this match was a pleasant surprise of the night. To one of you two. After this, we got a plug for the WWE Draft, which will be taking place on October 11th and October 14th. So, goodbye wildcard bollocks, hopefully. Uh, also nice to see it called a draft again, and not a superstar shake-up. So, a draft is a bit more sports-like, especially in America, where you've uh, a lot of your your trade periods, I call them, they're called drafts, as far as I know, where players get drafted in. Like, makes sense. Pretty self-explanatory. So, yeah, it's not that's not a thing over here with our sports, but... It's quite simple to understand. <laughs> Sorry. And with Fox apparently wanting a bit more sports presentation, it could just be little things like that. Like WWE are a sports entertainment kind of entity, so you're still going to see the bollocks storylines and stuff. But little bits like that, and maybe a couple, like the King of the Ring getting a bit more of an oomph behind it. Uh, just little things like that with WWE doesn't really need to change that much, but it, the little things like this that Fox might be perfectly fine with. So yeah. Uh, I am currently writing a column, Imps Wrestling Adventures, where the series is me talking about all the wrestling from the past week, uh, with the idea of being Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW, and we split into like that. However, SmackDown on a Friday mucks all of that up. I was like, can I really post on a Saturday? <laughs> it's really weird, because I, I won't be able to watch SmackDown live. It's just not going to be possible. So, when on earth do I post my column? Unless I count SmackDown as the first day of the week and you put pay-per-views in between and the, there's Raw, there's, that's just weird because then I'm posting my column one day before SmackDown airs again and it's immediately out of date. And I'm not talking about SmackDown until the whole week later. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. So it must be a weekend, the column. But then, 
I've got to write about New Japan. I don't know. <laughs> it's really confusing. Smackdown moving to Fridays destroys my entire flow. I've got no idea when I'm going to post my column. Especially, as, as I just said with the draft, the first date of the draft is October 11th and then the second part is on Raw. So in terms of the cycle of WWE, does this alter it in any way where you've got your first day of the draft is on a Friday? Does the day of the week where WWE technically starts completely change or is it just this short period where it is still Raw first and then SmackDown, just that it's shifting SmackDown to the A-show? Might be the significance a bit more. Either way, oh, I don't know when post my column. <laughs> I need to think of a way. Uh, I like doing it the day after SmackDown. And yeah, maybe that'll be better as well because I'll be watching both NXT and AEW, which are both two hours, and I'll be I'll have four hours of wrestling to watch every Thursday. Is it really good that I'll be posting my column on that day? Probably not. <laughs> anyway, so that's coming up the draft on October 11th and October 14th. And obviously the week before... They are moving to Fox in that first week of October where so much is happening. We're like, we're two weeks away. I could not be any more stoked and excited for it. But the, the wrestling world will change. Uh, so I was going to talk about a lynch with Sasha, but I think I want to end on a happy note rather than kind of moaning about stuff. So let's moan first and let's take a drink of water before I moan. Mm. The WWE Championship at Kofi Kingston defeated Randy Orton via uh, Orton at the end going for the punt and missing and Kofi spinning with a trouble in paradise in return it was it flew it flowed really nice that bit it was awesome uh, but the match itself I found very slow which wasn't exactly great after the slightly hmm ending to the white hot Sasha and Becky match which like that's a lot of emotion to be having in a match you're really enjoying and then you're kind of taking out a bit a little bit at the end but you still really enjoyed the entire package and what it means going forward. And then you're questioning, well, did I enjoy it or not? <laughs> and then this match happens and it's really slow. And yeah, and of course the entrances take forever because it's Orton Kingston. That can be a good thing because you've got your break between the of like all the stuff that happened in the match previously and before this one starts. Uh, but then it's kind of slow at the start as well, which again, as, a, as the New Japan guy here on Lords of Pain, yeah, that's perfectly... Fine, like you see, that's kind of what they do over there. Well, they have their entrances and then have a bit of a slow pace to start the match and then it will build and build and build. Build and build and build. The issue with this one was it just seemed slow throughout of it. Like, kind of like I talked about with Roman and Rowan, the peaks and troughs thing was a thing in this match where you got your big spot, you cheer for the spot and then die back down again. And this was when the fatigue started to hit me. Because I felt wide awake after Becky and Sasha, and then this just, this match just drained everything. <laughs> Which, but with again with the Roman and Rowan kind of troughs, yeah, I was really feeling it, <laughs> and this match really did take it out. Uh, there was some fine moments, some good sequences. Uh, Randy Orton countering the trouble in Paradise with that kind of backbreaker thing where he snaps down like that looked great. But yeah, there was a lot of stuff that looked great. In moments that we kind of move things along nicely, but yeah, Kingston beat Orton clean after I guess beating him up on Friday. So it's kind of like, well, what kind of thing does Orton have in this match? Like he's lost clean to Kofi Kingston twice, not really in like questionable fashion at all. Why would he be challenging a third time? Other than this is what happens to WWE, where you got your storyline and it pans out for three pay per views. That's the only reason I can see this match going to Hell in a Cell. It's because one last time, and this is the third match that ends it. There is no sports reason for it to happen. 
<laughs> that makes sense. Like in terms of contendership, in terms of who should be challenging the champion, Orton's now lost twice clean. There should be no reason he's there. <laughs> However, I fully expect them to face again at Hell in a Cell, and my hype won't really be there. I don't. I won't really care really, which is again, a tad of a shame. I just, I wanted, I want to like this feud, but the matches themselves I found both quite boring twice. And what didn't help at SummerSlam was watching it at SummerSlam. You realised, oh my god, this is the exact same storyline and match as Samoa Joe AJ Styles last year. Like, it's like, it's identical. It's the Family Man thing again <laughs> at SummerSlam for the same championship, <laughs> which is just, ugh. But since then, they've built to this match really well. But then the match happened and I found it really slow. I was like, ugh. Uh, that said, I am personally happy that Kofi Kingston is still champion. Like, um, I did get asked what I thought about Kirby Kingston's reign. I think it was on one of my columns. Uh, I never answered, so <laughs> here we are. With the uh, person, because I think I talked about it on Thursday on NLP Radio. But with Kofi Kingston's reign, I personally feel like it's only just getting started. Like, he's been booked strongly, he's been protected, he feels like a good, he's been, it feels like he's had a good championship reign. However, in terms of making him feel important and like prestigious in the builds to it and the storylines and everything. Like this feud with Randy Orton is his first one he's been able to sink his teeth into and he's been champion for or reaching half a year and this is the first storyline he's been able to sink his teeth into. Like yeah, he got caught in the WWE of this summer where every two or three weeks things were constantly changing. There was no continuity. Yeah, characters had kind of no rules of what they as characters would do. Same with the world. The world was set up rules only to immediately break them and like no characters can develop in that environment. However, like kind of in the build to SummerSlam it started to correct and after SummerSlam it's been in full correcting mode, uh, the WWE engine. And it feels like Kofi Kingston's reign is finally starting, which is a weird thing to say after half a year. But but personally that is how I feel. Like I won't I can't really call his reign like sink or bust because the entire company was sinking creatively and uh, for me his reign is only now just beginning and that's why I, can't, I want him to defeat Randy Orton stay his champion and then he can have a second thing to sink his teeth into and that's when I can start to really feel like well is he is, is his reign starting to fatigue now or not because he's had a multi-month feud with Randy Orton how does his reign feel now but uh, yes he's been champion for a long time He's just had not had anything to sink his teeth into, even though he's been winning. So I would like a second uh, second thing, which kind of gets fleshed out at Kofi Kingston, can, yeah, could really work with that, and then maybe lose his championship in that. Or lose, my, my prediction is he loses it at the Rumble. Or but he could even hold it a full year to WrestleMania. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just, yeah, he's not been an awful champion. It's just WWE was all over the place, and if you weren't the main event well say goodbye to your character development and say goodbye to decent builds so yeah tell of a shame but he's now got the opportunity now and the fact that he's champion going into this new era on Fox like that's great to see him as champion hopefully stays as champion and he doesn't immediately lose it to Brock Lesnar which it's Fox I'm expecting stuff like that now like the people they see as stars which so it's the WWE problem all over again like <laughs> They're not going to be able to build any stars if it's like, no, no, these guys are the stars. It's like, well, how are we meant to build new ones? <laughs> uh, 
But speaking of stars, the final match I'm going to talk about. I've drank my whole pint. Oh, I've got a little bit left. Ooh. Surprise drop of water. <laughs> that did nothing. Ugh. The main event on my show, the Raw Women's Championship of Becky. I, could, I, could, I know how to talk. Uh, Becky Lynch uh, retaining her title after getting DQ'd after accidentally hitting the ref with a chair. So, anyway, first off, the good stuff, because I'm being positive about this match because I enjoyed it so damn much. It had uh, such great viciousness to it with some fantastic counters and sequences, especially from Sasha, um, where Becky Lynch went for a lariat and she countered it straight into a bank statement and it was smooth as hell. Uh, and the hell of a meteora from the top. Uh, Chima would have been proud, Sasha. <laughs> that was an amazing meteora. Uh, match of the night by some distance. It then it turned into an awesome crowd brawl with like just armor on the steps. And it's just in this moment you're just seeing how sharp and smooth like everything between these two is. It's like oh, this is just this is like peak chemistry in a well anyway. And both of their executions of all of their thing is again so sharp and smooth. They're like this is great to see. <laughs> this is fantastic. Uh, and they properly brawled into the concession area and all the way back down again. Yeah, just a really great match. It, was, it already was a great match, and then we got a lovely brawl all over the place, uh, which then led to, I guess, it, something odd. <laughs> like the live crowd was hot, however, they weren't in the know that Becky had been disqualified and the match was over. And they were cheering as if like, oh, this has been, it's been a hot ball that's come all over the place. And now they're back into the ring. We're going to like get how I finish. But we at home, we've been informed by Corey Graves that the match has already ended. And then like three minutes, three, four minutes later, that's when Greg Hamilton's like, I've just been informed that Becky Lynch has been disqualified. It's like, no, oh, always last to know Greg Hamilton. <laughs> like, we already know that, Greg. <laughs> we've all been told. Ah. Oh. Poor Greg. <laughs> no one tells him nothing. <laughs> Hot first reference. First one. <laughs> first one I've done on the Aftershock. Yeah. But yeah. Also, since when were there immediate disqualifications for accidentally striking the referee? <laughs> like, huzzah! Rule out of nowhere. It's been. It's not been two weeks. Oh, t- it's not been two weeks since the last rule out of nowhere. <laughs> so we've got to do another one. Oh, uh, that was in King of the Ring with the unprecedented, I guess, double pinfall, I think it was, between Ricochet and Samoa Joe. So they advanced them both. So that, that, pretty, that's not a thing. <laughs> Rule out of nowhere. Oh, no, it wasn't that. It was the... Uh, it was the referee was talking to somebody and it was like a referral kind of thing. And it's like, well, the next week is the day. I'm not going to have that superpower. Like, it's fine. But if they know, I thought I saw this and he was talking to him on the mic and you could hear him on the mic... It's like, yeah, it's not the worst idea in the world, but this isn't going to be a thing next week. Like, it wouldn't exist. <laughs> which is the exact same thing here. It's like, this isn't a new rule which is going to be enforced for the future. This rule will exist on this night and this night only. Like, the next time this happens, there will be no DQ. You see people maybe talk about it on Twitter. It's like, well, no, this happens in WWE specifically. The rules exist for a night because they need to continue the story somehow so they come up with a clever, comp- convoluted way. But that means that the the rules have to be broken for their world. <laughs> so, uh, like, especially if you're a fan from the Attitude Era watching this, like this stuff happened all the time, and they wouldn't get disqualified or anything. That like, even in recent times, you actually take out the referee, you're not getting disqualified. 
Why she get disqualified? <laughs> I don't know. It makes no sense. Oh. But yeah, it just gave, gave a weird ending because I loved what came before it, like Match the Night by Country Mile, and I love the fact that it's going to continue because it, more of that, please. Yes, that was brilliant, and it's going to lead to Hell in a Cell. If these two have a Hell in a Cell match, yes, please. But the ending was so like badly executed and weird, and we at home had the, had information that we could tell the live crowd did not have. And it was a really weird contrast of what was happening. So, yeah. Things clashed. And it was just a weird feeling in that last bit. Like Even because the ball that was happening was still great. With Becky Lynch going mental and Sasha Banks with the chair. But and then the people kind of come out. You could see the live crowd slowly piecing together that this match has ended now. Which was a bit of a shame. Because they were white hot for it. They brought all over the place and come back. And the referee was still down. Because that's the next confusing bit, what Corey Graves was saying. That she's been disqualified for attacking an official. But the referee couldn't have made a call because he'd been down the entire time. So who made the call? <laughs> it's just a bit of a... Oh, I guess... So referees watching behind the scenes now? They, the, the backstage people watching, they can make decisions now? Again, I'm saying now... It's just for tonight. I'm under no illusion that this will continue <laughs> past this night. It's not going to be an ongoing issue because it will exist. It won't be a thing. <laughs> this was just a how do we continue this feud and have them look like badasses whilst beating the crap out of each other. This is what they came up with. <laughs> so we can have a bit of fun with just poking the holes in the fact that it's utter nonsense. <laughs> utter nonsense. And once again, in terms of world building, you just destroyed your rules again. This is like, why do your rules matter when you just break them when you need to for plot convenience? It's like, yeah, you work within the rules you've set up. Like, with sports, it kind of matters, but especially if you say you are in the world of storytelling, they don't know the rules of storytelling, of like world building. It's like, oh, like they, yeah, that's one thing I find out about modern day WWE, about how in, when they're talking to, I guess, people outside, they'll say, uh, we're in the business of telling stories. But, Telling stories is arguably their worst aspect nowadays. Like building characters and continuity and world building and all that stuff. That's their worst aspect. Their, wor- their best aspect. I can't say the word. I'm saying aspect. Aspect. <laughs> the worst aspect is... The best one, sorry, is the actual wrestling in the ring. So the more sport-like stuff. Because the rest, because the wrestlers are so damn talented. The, the worst part is their... We write stories for the people to get invested in and fall in love with these characters. It's like, yeah, there's a reason that I left during the summer and I didn't watch. And it wasn't just the G1 Climax. <laughs> it was... Yeah, I'd already left months before then. There was a reason. Yeah. But I'm enjoying this now. I've learned... I, I learned it like, especially when I, when I stopped watching WWE last year because this is the second year it's happened. <laughs> but um, I learned, and this year I really kind of used it in just the sense of it's a lot easier to watch WWE if you don't get invested because it punishes you for getting invested for keeping track for trying to see things that make sense it's just if you don't if you pull out if you're not invested if you don't really care that's the perfect way to watch WWE I found personally because again I feel punished for watching it more (laughs) so just if you do watch it try and not care it helps me yeah says the person at quarter to five in the morning yeah (laughs) But yeah, I can't really get across how much I enjoyed this match. They were so smooth together. Uh, just, yeah. Even though it was a B show, watch this match. This is the one match that you should watch. 
Like it's like from out of the gate, the viciousness was like immediately on display. The build to it's been fantastic. Like the exact opposite of Rollins and Strowman, where saying that match had no heat. Well, this match had all the heat. Like the atmosphere was very different for this match specifically. And it from personally it could have main evented aside from the amazing angle at Ro- uh, to end the Rollins match with the fiend coming out and attacking him and doing the awesome mandible claw whilst the music going. It's like yeah, it was great. That ended the show perfectly. This, in terms of the hottest angle on the on the card, especially being built into the show, that was this match. This one had the most fan interest, the most heat, and it's just that the ending was a bit odd. They wanted to continue it. So, if this had a main evented, it would have gone off air with an odd feeling compared to what it did go off with, with uh, an interest of yeah, I want to watch the next episode. So yeah, but the feud will continue. So I can't really complain. That I'm getting exactly what I want. It's just in an odd way. <laughs> Actually, that perfectly, that's how I'm going to sign off. Perfectly sums up WWE, where after WrestleMania, uh, after WrestleMania, people were like, oh, why are you complaining? Because Becky Lynch, Kofi Kingston, Seth Rollins, they're all champions. It's like, yes, the things are all things that are good. However, the actual way. That is the world they are champions in, and the storylines being told, and, the, and all the world around it, like the context of the how and a lot of the stuff moving forward, especially. Yeah, that's not so great. But the actual matches and content themselves, oh, they're brilliant, and they sh- I should be happy. That's really how I feel about uh, Becky versus Sasha. I was like, yeah, I'm really happy that they're continuing their feud together. Uh, the match was fantastic. That I love the way the characters are interacting. It's just the way that this match ended wasn't particularly great. <laughs> so it's that same thing of I should be super happy, but there was something that was just really weird. The actual booking was just odd. And that's the that's the same thing as to why with Kofi, Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch for like I should be happy watching Raw and SmackDown, but I'm not. <laughs> Similar thing. The things are technically good, but the booking and how they're doing them isn't always together. Uh, but they're getting there. They've they're restructuring they're rewriting the ship uh, and when October hits hopefully there's been enough work where they don't immediately panic after they see AEW or whatever but AEW's going to be in a place where they're figuring stuff out that I am not expecting them to hit the ground running uh, I'm expecting them to be working stuff out and maybe throwing, a, throwing shit at the wall to see what sticks what they can do what they should do what they shouldn't uh, it might take a few months I'm not, predict- I'm not predicting they hit the ground running I know there will be some people who immediately judge them on the same level as WWE, a company that have been running for how many decades, and not only been running, but in pop culture for how many decades, compared to AW, which they've not had one episode of television, which kind of says <laughs> quite a lot. Anyway, that's I'm building to October, it's two weeks away. So anyway, thank you for listening to, uh, what's it called, LOP Aftershock for Clash of Champions forgot the name of the pay-per-view <laughs> uh, yeah thank you for listening to this uh, I am back here on the Thursday on LAP Radio to talk like the post uh, Clash of Champions world with my column and everything and building to the future and I will be well, I'm losing focus <laughs> and uh, the next Aftershock will be Hell in a Cell because there isn't an AW pay-per-view till November so yes the next show this time we are live on a weekend for an aftershock will be Hell in a Cell after Seth Rollins versus The Fiend assumably inside Hell in a Cell 
that's going to be a super interesting one. Uh, but thank you for listening and making me part of your day after this, watching the pay-per-view. My mouth is words not gooding. <laughs> uh, sorry, this isn't as long, I guess, as other aftershocks. But yeah, it's, again, it's almost five a.m. and I've not got a co-host to could take to let me drink water. <laughs> uh, please do check out the other shows here on Laws of Pain Radio. Whilst I got you here, uh, Monday tomorrow is Kingdom of Honor with Jamman and his friend Jeff. They talk about Ring of Honor and New Japan, whatever catches their attention. Maybe a bit of NXT with that starting up on Wednesday on USA. Uh, Tuesdays is the Global Revolution, where it's talking about the wider wrestling world. You'll get your stuff like WXW and Luchas <laughs> on that one. Uh, Wednesdays is Planned Sports Entertainment is Dead, with a performance art review of professional wrestling. He's been, he's been doing that for years. That's not a trend thing. That's a planned thing. That's how he likes to talk about wrestling. So, really interesting listen for somebody who talks about wrestling like that for years. That is his view on it. So, yeah. And Thursdays is me with uh, Imsider P Radio Adventure, already plugged that. Fridays is the right side of the pond, some more British people with Mav Plan and Mazza. Uh, and Saturdays is normally when we have our All About All Elite show, but they're currently taking the hiatus. And then Sundays is nothing whilst we wait for the next WWE pay-per-view. Again, thank you for listening to this and choosing me of all the people to talk, listen to talk about wrestling. Uh, again, you can follow me on Twitter at the damn Implicat. You can read my columns, uh, my... Later column is still up for uh, talking about the last week of WWE. So, again, I put effort into those columns, so I even did cool Photoshop stuff. <laughs> oh, right, I'm drifting again. It's time to go to bed. Again, thank you for listening. This was a B pay view. It felt like a B pay view, but it had a great ending and it had a great Sasha Banks Becky Lynch match with a not great ending. <laughs> I think that sums it up perfectly. Also, Still got no theme, so this is just going to end and go into an advert. <laughs> so not exactly the most uh, like amazing way to end the show. Uh, I'll promise to try and maybe get Steve to send me the actual aftershock tunes or <laughs> whatever. Anyway, with that, I bid you adieu. I bid you good night. Adios. <laughs>